open up your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. says this Jesus says I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it, ab it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. And that was John 15. Reading from John 16. I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogue. 
Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering sacrifice to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. But I said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you will remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare the things to you that are to come he will glorify me for he take what is mine and declare it to you. And that the Father has, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, you will see me. So some of the disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me and because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does this mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. And Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you were asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will not will turn into joy. And when, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into this world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. In my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I no longer will speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. And I came from the Father and gave and have come into the world. And now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, oh, now you are speaking plainly, not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. 
This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you believe now? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me in you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. I'm uh, so, so glad to have you here, and uh, it's really a privilege to be preaching on uh, John chapter 15 and 16. Man, it's an awesome, it's an awesome passage, and uh, Jesus continues these incredible truths. We, uh, we recognize that this is, he's sharing these things with his disciples. They've gathered to eat their final Passover meal together. It is uh, the Thursday uh, before the Friday when Jesus will be crucified. And Brian began this, uh, this message last week as he shared um, uh, this idea of when Jesus came together, it was the final time gathering with his disciples. And what was it that he wanted to communicate to them? And, and ultimately what he shared with them uh, was an action. He, he, he took his robe and he tied it around his waist and he washed their feet. And he basically said, hey, you've been walking with me for three years. You've seen amazing things. But if you, if you remember one thing, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that your job is to serve one another and thereby show each other love. If you do this, people will know that you're my followers. And so he continues those themes in the, uh, in the chapters we're going to look at today. And, um, man, I want to begin uh, just asking this question. How many of you guys are like coffee people out here, like coffee snobs, like you will turn down certain cups of coffee because you're like, nope, not, not going to make it, right? Like, um, and, and if you're like me, that's how I am, and, and you dread. I went to this one meeting um, uh, with, with a bunch of other pastors, and uh, we were out in central Pennsylvania, and it was like an overnight thing. And so you go in, and first thing you do is like, all right, where's the coffee? What is that? What's this scenario look like? And so I went over, and you look up the coffee pot, and when you can like see sunlight coming through the other side, you're like, this is not a good thing. And then they've got like the, the powdered creamer, and I was just like, oh, man. So I gutted it out through day one. <laughs> The next morning, I woke up at 6 a.m. so I could drive to the nearest grocery store. I went and I bought better coffee. I bought better creamer. I brought all, and, and this is a subtle thing, right? Because I got to do it without offending the person who was making the coffee. But <laughs> I've got to be like, hey, listen, just to function, like it's got to be at a different level, right? And, um, uh, you know, the, the real thing is like when, for me, I, I like it with, I like it black. I like it with cream and sugar. I like it pretty much any way you can get coffee. But but the test is a good cup of coffee you can drink black. If it's bad, then you can hide it, you know, with some other stuff, right? And so that's, that's the measure of a good cup of coffee. Um, the question I have for you this morning is what if somebody tried that watery, disgusting cup of coffee that I had at that conference, and based on that, they said, man, I don't like coffee. I don't ever want to drink coffee again. I'm not into coffee. Uh, for, for us coffee lovers out there, you'd be like, well, no, 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 wait, wait, you, that wasn't actually coffee. <laughs> you haven't actually had coffee yet, and once you experience it, you will enjoy it, right? Well, I think that in, in our culture, there's a, there's a challenge where people say, I don't like Christians. I don't like Christianity. Uh, I don't want to be a follower of Jesus, and they're basing that off of an experience they had. Uh, with someone who was living less than what Jesus has laid out for us. And so what I'm going to propose today is, is if you're here and you're, uh, you're, um, 
you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just trying to explore what it means to be a Christian, I want you to look at, in John 15 and 16, we have a picture of what a Christian is supposed to look like, right? So don't uh, base your opinion off of, off of what you've experienced in the past or even off of the imperfect people that are in this room, right? But, but base, uh, myself included, uh, base your opinion of whether it's worthy to follow Jesus off of the, the definition that we see here in these passages. And if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to really look at this and say, okay, is that what I look like, right? Is, this, am I, is it like looking in a reflection? When I see the description that's held here in John 15 and 16, does that describe the way that I'm living my life? And if not, there's, there's some real tangible things we'll be able to grab a hold of today to move closer to the image of what, what Jesus has laid out for us. So uh, in summarizing what it says in John 15 and 16, and this is not scripture, this is just my, my personal summary of what I see here, but here's what I think it says. It says that a Christian bears fruit in Christ, in the guidance of the Spirit, in expectation of trials, with confident peace and joy. Right, this, is, this is what we're meant to look like if we are followers of Jesus. We should be bearing fruit in Christ. We should be guided by the Holy Spirit. We should not be surprised when trials come along. We should expect that, but those trials should not devastate and destroy us. We should have a, a confident joy and peace that is rooted in something much deeper. And, and, and the closer we get to that picture, the closer we get to what Jesus desires for us, the, the more joy we get, the more fulfillment, the more peace, and the more purpose. And so how do we get there? Well, let's, let's take a look at the elements of this. And so the first one, a Christian bears fruit in Christ. You can't look at the opening uh, verses in John 15 without realizing that fruit is super important to Jesus, right? The fruit of our lives. And, and fruit, you know, is a, sometimes we can get into these Christian-y terms and we talk about, oh, I'm bearing good fruit or bad fruit. Or whatever. I mean, fruit is just the, what, is your, what is your life producing, right? What is, it, what is the outflow of your life? You take things in, you spend your time doing it. What comes out on the other end, right? And so listen to what he says in the beginning of John 15. I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruits. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So do you think fruit is significant and important in the life of a Christian? Right? It's, he emphasized it over and over again. If you're making fruit, I'm going to prune you down to make more fruit. If you're, if you're not bearing fruit, you're going to be cut off and you're going to be set aside. You can't bear fruit apart from Jesus. And so our fruit is really important. But the challenge is, is that sometimes, uh, for those of us that are a product of the Reformation, uh, we get so uh, deeply emphasizing the fact that, that, that salvation comes through faith in Christ alone, by grace alone, uh, that we can end in this, in this weird um, just kind of apathetic 
Christian haze where we're like, well, I've, I've put my faith in Jesus. I'm trusting in him for salvation. And so I don't even, I guess it doesn't really matter what I do until he comes to collect me, right? I, I got my ticket to heaven and I'm just going to hang out until he comes. And, and that is part of what uh, gives Christians a bad reputation in the world, right? But instead, what, what, what it says here, and it's, so, it's such a beautiful analogy, uh, he says, hey, if you're in me, you're going to bear fruit. That's a product of being connected to me. And if you're disconnected from me, there's no way that you can bear fruit. And so this addresses that whole issue of thinking that we can bear fruit that will get God to accept us, that will get God to love us, that will get God to bring us into his family. You can't bear fruit disconnected from the vine. So any fruit that you begin to bear in your life begins at the moment that you place your faith in Christ. Now, it doesn't mean you can't do anything. Obviously, there's, there's people in the world doing all kinds of things. In fact, I think that's the biggest challenge in our society right now is that we're doing too much stuff, right? We're doing everything that we can do. But the ultimate question is, what fruit of your life is going to last? When you die and you're gone and your time here on earth ends, what will continue, right? And what the Bible encourages us is that the fruit that lasts is spiritual fruit. It's it, it, it's, the, it's the work of Jesus Christ going in and through us to change us and transform us and to change and transform the world around us to be more and more like his kingdom. That's the fruit that will last. So the question for each of us this morning is, am I bearing that fruit? Am I fruitful? Am I seeing new people enter into the kingdom of heaven? Because what Jesus is doing in and through me, am I, am I helping others to grow and mature in their faith? Who can you point to and say, man, by God's grace, I can see that they're walking closer to him because of, of the relationship that, that he's given me with them. Are you growing the fruits of the Spirit in your own heart? A love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. None of us have those things perfectly, but do I have more of it than I had a year ago? Do I have more of it than I had three years ago? Is, it, is it this progression of... Of, of the Spirit working and removing things out of my life that aren't good for me and, and growing good fruit? Am I doing the works of the kingdom of Jesus? Is he using me to make this world look a lot more like heaven? Is he using me to create a space where he rules and reigns? Man, I was so encouraged last week I shared with you that um, just kind of offhand, I hadn't even planned to share it, but in the announcements I shared that we were hosting a group of pastors that came in here on Monday uh, just for a discussion about race and reconciliation and, and, uh, and, and bridging that gap within the church. And I was so encouraged that a number of you came up to me after the service and said, hey, I, I'm in. I wanna, I, I'm coming. Where? <laughs> and I had to be like, hold on, we're, we're, we're not quite ready for that yet. Um, but I was so excited that people wanted to be a part of that discussion, that people said, man, that's really important. That's something worth pouring our lives into. And I agree with you because uh, we're told in the Bible that we are ambassadors of reconciliation. And so one piece of that is, is showing people how they can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the, the significant piece of it. But when that happens, then we're ambassadors of reconciliation one with another. That we begin to see that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And regardless of the color of our skin or, or our background or what exists in our past or any of those things, that we're one in Christ. Um, and is God using you in that way? Is, is, is he using you to help usher that in uh, to our present reality? 
I hope that he is, and I hope that he continues. And, and it's good news, bad news. If you're doing it, that's great. Jesus says that, that, that you're clean because of the word that I put in you and that, that you're bearing fruit, and that's a good thing. But, but here's the bad news. He says, if you're bearing fruit, I'm going to prune you so you can bear even more fruit, right? None of us likes that. We don't, we don't want to hear that. Nobody wants to be, be pruned, be cut back. But that's part of the process because the goal is to bear fruit that glorifies God. Now, the cool thing is that, that we hear this thing of abiding in Christ. Abide is not a word that we use very often in our English language, right? I, I don't say, hey, you know, this afternoon I'm just going to go abide with my family and, and spend, some, you know, that's not something that we usually say. But in other translations, the, the idea is this, that it's, it's to stay in. So he's saying, stay in Jesus, remain in Jesus, continue in Jesus, live in Jesus. We say, man, that sounds awesome, but how do I do that? How do I actually do that? Like, what, is it, what, what does that look like? Well, Jesus actually breaks it down. He says, hey, to abide in me means to remain in my love. Live in my love. Let, let my love be kind of like the base atmosphere that you breathe. And this is so practical, right? Because if you get into a conflict with somebody, you're looking at them and you're saying, in my flesh, I don't like you. <laughs> but then I remember <laughs> that Jesus loves me. And guess what? Jesus also loves that person. And so if the atmosphere that I reside in is the atmosphere of love, I'd say, hey, my natural inclination is I don't like you, but, but I know that Jesus loves you, and I'm his ambassador, and so I need to be an ambassador of the love of Jesus for you. If, if our ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to Canada, decides all of a sudden that he doesn't like Canada, <laughs> he doesn't have the right to go and, and, and begin a war with them, right? Uh, he has to represent the intentions of the United States, and he has to put his personal feelings aside, and it's the same way. And I apologize if our ambassador to Canada is a woman because I don't remember. So maybe she has to put her aside. I don't, I'm not really sure. I'm not up on my foreign policy stuff, right? But, but they don't have the right. An ambassador doesn't have the right to represent them himself. And so when we think about ourselves this way, if we say, hey, I'm here to represent Jesus, and guess what? Jesus loves everybody. <laughs> that, that difficult person, that, that person that's challenging. And so it can seem difficult to begin, but... Um, I was, uh, we were watching uh, the Justice League this week. Uh, it came out, you know, the, the comic book superhero movie, right? And, and the Flash is kind of the quirky character, and, and he's going to Batman. They're entering into this battle with this thing, and, and Flash goes to Batman. He's like, I don't know what to do. I've never done this, but I don't know. And he's like, listen, he's like, just save one. Just go save one person. And so it gets into the scene, and he goes, and he does it, and he saves somebody. And then as soon as he does it, he looks around, and he's like, Oh, wait, I, I can do that again, right? And so he goes, and throughout the, the scene, he's getting more and more and more people. And that's what we got to do. This week, look for one opportunity to evaluate your emotions and your motivations and say, hey, I know I, I feel angry, I feel, I feel bitter, I feel hatred, I feel these emotions, but I'm an ambassador for Christ, and instead of acting on what I'm feeling, I'm going to act as an ambassador for Jesus Christ and just see what it does. And I have a feeling if you do it once, you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it again. He says, remain in his love. He says, let my word remain in you. That's how you abide in Christ. And so your, his word can only remain in us if it's in us in the first place, right? If we don't have his word in us, then it's not going to remain in us. And so I'm so glad that you're here this morning uh, to join us in worship. But if you don't put his word in you again until next Sunday, by about... Sunday afternoon, <laughs> you're probably going to be de depleted, right? And you're going to go through a horrible week, and then you're going to come in on Sunday, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, right, I was, supposed to, I was supposed to live as an ambassador for Christ. You have to find a way to get God's word into you daily. And, and we live in an age where that is so available to us, right? 
if you don't like to read, somebody, you can go online and they'll read the Bible to you, right? Or I'll, I'll hire Dave. He can come to your house. We'll bring the... <laughs> We'll bring the band, we'll set up, we'll do some background music, we'll just let Dave read the word, right? There's ways to get the word in. Get the word into you and then operate out of love. It's a simple question. Is my motivation love? In any broken situation, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling, when you're feeling like in strife, just ask the question, hey, is my motivation the love of Christ? Man, it'll, it'll shape the way you do. So abide in the love of Christ and thereby bear fruit. A Christian bears fruit in Christ in the guidance of the Spirit. Here's the good news. You don't have to do it on your own. And in fact, you can't do it on your own. If you walk out today and say, I'm just going to love people better. WWJD, Jesus loved people. I'm going to love people just like Jesus loved people. I believe in WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? But um, it's, a good, it's a good concept. But if you try and do what Jesus did in your own strength, it's a recipe for failure. You can't, W-W, J-D, you can't do what Jesus did. Uh, I was working on the letters, but I couldn't get it, right? D-W-J-D. You can't D-W-J-D uh, just by asking W-W-J-D. You have to operate out of the love of Jesus, right? But his love, here's the good news, his love is limitless. So when his limitless love gets into your heart and starts overflowing out of you, my limited love gets depleted really fast. But the love of Jesus never runs out. And so when you're feeling depleted, it's a good indicator that you've been running on your own fuel. And it's the opportunity to say, how do I enter into the love of Jesus? How do I work in that? Because that's a limitless resource. And he sends the Holy Spirit uh, to do this. And the Holy Spirit is not a, a guiding force. It's not this sort of like uh, this cosmic cloud that envelops uh, the pla- What The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And we see this language in here of Jesus saying, I'm going to send the Spirit from the Father. We see the inner workings of these roles and relationships of God in three persons. One God in three persons, the Holy Spirit. And, and when you look at the book of Acts, you can't help but see that the thing that distinguished the church in the book of Acts is that they were led and driven by the Holy Spirit. And when we fail as a church, it's because we are not led and driven by the Holy Spirit. It's when we're trying to create fruit on our own, right? What what does Jesus says? He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I I see this really clearly in the church world, right? If you, you you can gather a bunch of people together and you can put a band up there and you can play some songs and you can have somebody get up and speak, But if it's not led by the Holy Spirit and it's not rooted in Christ, it's of no earthly value. And so as Riverside seeks to bear fruit for the kingdom, we're going to be doing it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And how do you know when the Holy Spirit is active? When Jesus is glorified. When Jesus is glorified, the Holy Spirit is at work. And so some of you may be like, well, man, I've never, I've never spoken in tongues. I've never, I've never had somebody put their hand on me and had me fall back. And so I guess I've never had the Holy Spirit. Uh, I would encourage you that uh, I don't stand in judgment over, over those things. I, I believe the Spirit can give the gift of tongues. I believe the Spirit can heal. I believe the Spirit can do all of those things. But the Spirit can also be at work in our hearts uh, in, in, in other ways. He's described as the helper, right? 
And so he's described as the spirit of truth. And so when you're reading God's word and it, it just jumps off the page to you, that's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working. When, when you're singing in worship and you just feel overwhelmed with emotion of, of love or joy or, or thankfulness to God, that's the Holy Spirit showing you, hey, those words, that's true. That's about Jesus. How often are you operating in the power of the Holy Spirit? It's amazing because Jesus says it's actually better that he go up to heaven so that the Holy Spirit can come down. Now, most of us have given the choice sitting there at dinner with Jesus, and he said, hey, it's awesome that I'm here to teach you and stuff, but it's actually better. I'm going to take off because I'm going to then send the Holy Spirit, and that's going to be better for you. We struggle to believe that's true, but the reality is that it is. It's the Spirit at work in your life. Is the Spirit guiding you. Is the Spirit convicting you. Is the Spirit declaring truth to you. How can you know? Well, if, if the evidence of your life glorifies Jesus, then you can know that you're on the right track, right? The Holy Spirit draws people to worship Jesus. So a Christian bears fruit in Christ in the guidance of the Spirit in expectation of trials with confident peace and joy. Those two seem at odds with each other, right? <laughs> I'm expecting... A trial. I'm expecting life to be difficult. I'm expecting tribulation. I'm expecting persecution, but I approach it with confident peace and joy. Um, uh, I'm, I, I know I'm risking beating this horse into the ground, right? But, but the Eagles' Super Bowl victory was so profound to me that I can't, I'm not yet over it, right? Yeah, that's right. And it wasn't just the victory itself, right? And it wasn't just the fact that they won it with a backup quarterback. It was the fact that they, they faced the greatest quarterback of all time who maybe had one of the greatest Super Bowl performances of all time, right? He threw for over 500 yards, and yet the Eagles didn't wilt. <laughs> you know, the Patriots would score a touchdown, and they'd be like, all right, our turn. Let's go do it. You want to do Philly Philly? Let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, just fun, just relax. Like, hey, we're here to do something. Like, yeah, we knew they were a good team. They made it to the Super Bowl. We knew that they would score some touchdowns, but we're not done, right? And, and I found in this inexplicable way, my life following the weeks of the Super Bowl, I found that impacting the way that I was thinking about my life, right? I was like, what am I so anxious for? Why am I all stressed out? Like, God's got it. Like, let's just go have some fun. Like, let's just do this thing. Um, and I think that that's how a Christian is supposed to live, right? A Christian shouldn't be just surprised when life gets difficult because there's two layers here. One thing, he says, hey, the world hated me, and so the world's going to hate you. When the world hates me, it demonstrates the fact that they don't know the Father. So if somebody says, hey, I believe in a higher power. I believe in, in, in our great uh, Mother Earth, or I believe in the great Creator, or the great Spirit being, but I'm not really into Jesus. It's an indicator that they are not connected to the Creator of the universe. They may have a desire to connect, but, but he says, if you hate the Son, you hate the Father. If you reject Jesus, it shows that you don't know who the Creator is. And by following Jesus, it puts us in a position where the world hated him and persecuted him, and the world hates and is going to persecute us. The world is marred by sin, and so we can expect trouble there. And then on top of that, if we're doing a good job in living in Christ and bearing fruit, we're told that we're going to be pruned, right? So, so when you enter into a trial, if you're in a trial right now, if you're in a struggle, you're in a difficulty, sometimes we don't have the perspective to know, like, hey, is this a result of, the, is this a result of my own sin? 
Is this a result of the world pushing against me? Is this a result of the enemy attacking? Or is this a result of God allowing these things to happen to prune me, to make me more fruitful in my next season? Sometimes we don't know. So I just like to, here's a little hint. I just like to assume that God is pruning me, right? <laughs> I'm going to be like, man, I think that this has a purpose. I think there's a reason that I'm going through this. I think that God's going to use this. I think he's going to bear fruit. That's good as long as you don't have like blatant sin that you're just ignoring. And you'd be like, oh man, Lord, you're just testing me, Lord, <laughs> right? You know, if, you, if, if you're robbing a bank and you don't know why the, the police are then knocking on your door, right? Like that's probably something that, that you created, right? But uh, that's not the Lord pruning you necessarily. We're going through this as a church. We're, uh, we're fruitful. We're sending out a church plant, right? Um, and, and it's exciting and it's awesome, but we uh, have gotten into that period where all of a sudden we're realizing like, oh, wow, like these great people that we've developed amazing relationships with and we see God working and using them and they're leading ministries and they're leading small groups and they're doing discipleship. We're going we're gonna to say goodbye to them. Or we're going to allow them to go and do a new work. And on top of that, uh, we just happen to be in a season where because of, of, of jobs and relocations and different things, there's other families that are solid, uh, awesome families in our church that are also being taken to other places. And so it's this season where we're really aware as a staff of like, wow, this, it feels like we're being pruned back here a little bit. But, but here's where the joy comes in. That's why we gave you those sheets on, on, your, on your seats. We, we recognize that what God is doing is he's creating space for new fruit to come about. And there are people that God has brought into this church that have not yet found their place to, to become a part of the church, to, to engage and to serve. And um, man, the, the moment that this becomes your church is when you realize not how much you're getting out of it, but how much God is using you in it. That's the moment where you turn the corner and you're like, wow, this is my church. God is doing ministry through me into the lives of other people through this group. That's when it becomes something that's really special. And I want that so badly for you. I want you to experience what that feels like. And yes, there's a cost with it. You might have to show up a little bit earlier. Uh, some of the tasks are difficult. If you sign up for our parking team, it might snow. It might, you know, they're like the post office, right? It comes snow or sleet or hail because I never cancel church, right? So <laughs> it's happening one way or the other. Jesus shares the same analogy in here. He, he uses one that's close to our hearts right now, right? He says, he says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. Um, I say we, but I actually don't, you know, empathetically I can know what that's like, but I have no idea <laughs> what it's like to give birth to a child, but I know that it can't be easy, right? But he says, when her hour has come, she has sorrow, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. And he follows it up at the end by saying, in the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Man, that truth has got to resound in you as a follower of Jesus. Life will be difficult. I will face trials. I will face tribulation. But Jesus has overcome the world. Whatever happens, this is not going to get the best of me. And, and, and he shares these encouraging words. He says, he says, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. No one. If you got your Bible underlined, right? No one will take your joy from you if 
your joy is rooted in Jesus Christ. Because that joy is, is rooted in something that he did for us 2,000 years ago when he died a sinner's death on the cross in your place and in my place. And then he rose from the grave in victory over death, securing our forgiveness, securing our freedom. And if that is the thing that is at the center of our hearts and our lives, then that will be the biggest source of joy in our lives. And nothing can change that. Nothing you go through today can change what happened and what Jesus has accomplished for you. And hey, listen, I'm, I'm right up here with you, right? I, I struggle with joy sometimes. You wake up in the morning and none of us is like, um, gets to choose the night before, okay, let me set on my phone. I want to wake up happy tomorrow, right? If, if they develop that app, Logan, if you can make that app happen, I will buy it. Right? You go to bed and you wake up and sometimes you had a great day the day before and you wake up in a horrible mood the next day right? And sometimes you're in the middle of the worst trial of your life, but for some reason you wake up and you just feel good. You feel hopeful. And you can't control the emotions that you wake up with in the morning, but what you can do is acknowledge the emotions. If there's something in your life that's, that's, that's worrying and bringing anxiety, you can bring it before the Lord in prayer with thanksgiving. By prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to the Lord. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will, will dwell in your heart, right? So you evaluate it, you bring it before the Lord, and then you remember what Jesus has done before you, and you can move forward in joy. Or you can move towards joy. <laughs> Man, that's, that's, that's how I want us to live. And so the more that we're living this way, Ezra bears fruit, right? Brian bears fruit. Insert your name. <laughs> bears fruit in Christ, in the guidance of the Spirit, in expectation of trials, with confident peace and joy. The more that you look like that, not only are you going to be fruitful and bring glory to God, but you're going to show the world a picture of what Jesus really intended for us to do. But I want you to remember, you can't go do this apart from Jesus. Disconnected from the vine, you cannot bear fruit. And so this is a journey that begins when you come by faith alone, through grace, and receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus has offered to you. That's a simple thing. You don't earn it. You don't come and say, look, here's, here's the fruit I have, Jesus. What do you want to do with this? He's like, I don't want that fruit. <laughs> when you come to me, then you'll begin to bear the fruit, right? And so for you, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want you to... to to pray and to receive that gift today. If, it, if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, there is no day like today to do that. So I'm going to ask you to, to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask the band to come into place. If you're here and, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, but you want to live this way, you want to live in a way that honors and glorifies God, I encourage you just to say a prayer, and, and there's nothing magical about the words, but you can repeat this prayer after me as a guide for how to do it. You simply say, Heavenly Father, I recognize that my sin has separated me from you. And I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died in my place on the cross. I believe that he rose again. I believe that you love me. 
believe that, that Jesus has called me friend. I believe that by your grace I'm saved. And I thank you for this incredible gift. If you would just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed just for a minute. If you, if you prayed that today, if you're uh, placing your faith in Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand so I could, I could be praying for you this week so that I could be... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For all of us here today, Jesus has set the bar so high. And you may feel discouraged. You may recognize how you're falling short of this picture that he's laid out, but I want to encourage you that the way forward is, is actually a process of pruning. Take out the things you're trying to do to make God love you. Take out the things that you're trying to do in your own strength and power. And believe what Jesus says. The key is to love others by abiding in his love, by letting the Holy Spirit guide you. God, communicate into our hearts what we can't, we can't process in our brains. Just make it real in us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.